This is Andrew Wilkes. This is Leah Wilkes. And this is Theology on Fire. This is episode one, and today we are going to be asking the question, what is theology? So Andrew, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Ooh, first let me just say this seems kind of like a heavy topic to start with, but don't forget the name of this podcast is Theology on Fire, so that's actually really important as we set the foundation and we move forward with this podcast to really understand together what theology is. Yeah, definitely. Um, something even in preparing for this episode, I've realized I actually had an incorrect understanding of just what the word theology meant. So I know you're going to break that down for us. Absolutely. And, and just remember, we're going to be learning as we go along. We're going to be learning all together. So theology. So this word is actually made up of two smaller words. The first one is theos, which means God, and then logi, which is the study of. So you've heard of biology, that's the study of life. Theology, study of God. That's good. Makes sense. Makes sense. So I want to read to you some textbook definitions here. The first one says this, it's, it's the study of God in the sense of his nature and his attributes. So like God's a trinity. He was never created. He's the creator of everyone and everything. That would be one way to define theology, all about God, who he is. And then the second one would be, this is the detailed understanding of God, and it focuses on how he interacts with humans. So this would be more about what is your theology about giving money to a church, or what is your theology about church. So it has to do with God, but it also has to do with his interactions with us and what he's put in his word. All right. Makes sense. It does. But, you know, I feel like these, although they're true and they are very useful, they're a bit thick. They're a bit too much. And so a definition that I think really captures it is simply this. Theology is knowing God through the Bible and the Holy Spirit. And it's important to say that we cannot experience God fully without the Bible and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's something um, I had just been studying a bit more as well, as just looking in the New Testament, especially the Gospels, you know, we see Jesus teaching so much. And um, we know the Pharisees, they were those that they were so filled with knowledge but no spirit. It was just all knowledge and there was no life in it. But then when Jesus came, it says in Mark chapter one, verse 22, it says, and they were astonished at his teaching. Those that heard him, they were astonished for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. He wasn't like the other people. You know, he had life. He did have knowledge. He knew the word of God. He quoted scripture, but it was life. He knew God. He knew the God of the word. And I think with this um, episode, you know, we're talking about theology, but just it, I think it gets a bad rap sometimes, you know, just words like that that we swing around, you know, they can kind of be off-putting like, oh, you're just trying to be a smarty pants. And we certainly are not. And, you know, you will learn over time that I certainly am not. <laughs> but um, the word theology, it can make you squirm a little bit. But it's not supposed to. The way Jesus 
taught theology. It didn't make people squirm. It made them excited. That's why over and over crowds gathered. It says in Mark 4, chapter, um, Mark chapter 4, verse 1, And again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. There were so many people coming to hear Jesus teach. In Mark chapter 6, it says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. You know, it just was life. All of these people came. They were all kinds of different people. They were workers. There were children. There were mothers. You know, but why did they come? Why would why do people gather to a teacher? You know, we usually don't aren't drawn to that. You know, teaching is sometimes oh, okay. Well, gotta gotta know my theology. You know, gotta get my teaching down. But it wasn't like that with Jesus. It was life. It was spirit. He knew God, and um, I just believe the people as they came, they were drawn to that they were drawn and filled with expectancy and with hope and with purpose amen amen that's so true and the point to make here is we don't put a premium on ignorance but at the same time if we get this right if it's if our theology is truly knowing god through the bible and the holy spirit if we get that right we get it all right even without textbooks, even without big theological words. But if I have a, an intimate walk with Jesus by the Word and by the Spirit, I really do have what matters. Because at the end of the day, if you're not intimate with the Lord, even if you have all that information, you're just a dusty book. Amen. Amen. And uh, so what's the first step in theology? So if we really take that comment, if we take that phrase, it's knowing the Lord Jesus by the Word, by the Spirit. Let's go into the Scriptures. Let's see what it says here. So the first step in theology really is coming to know Jesus because there are, there are actually professors of New Testament theology at universities, but they're not believers. They're actually, they don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but they are masters and they teach theology. But if you're really going to know Jesus, if you're really going to know theology, you've got to be his disciple. There's no other way. John 17, 3 says this, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If you don't have eternal life, if you don't know Jesus, you're only accumulating knowledge, and really you're accumulating further judgment against yourself whenever you meet God. Because the more you know him, the more you know of his truth, even if it's just in your mind, you have greater accountability to live it out. So the first step is knowing Jesus. And I would just say this, you know, Leah, similar testimonies, but mine uh, may be a bit more um, dramatic. Whenever I was six, I made a profession of faith. I was water baptized, but I wasn't really saved. I wasn't really what Jesus says in John 3, 3, born again. And, um, I mean, that was really seen in my life. I began to drink, began to try different things. A life filled with sin, but I had a profession of faith. So whenever I went to church, it never really mattered. It never really stuck. I would go out drinking on a Saturday or Friday, and that'd be sitting in Sunday school on Sunday, but it would never touch me. I had some head knowledge, 
but my life was never changed because I didn't have eternal life. I didn't know Jesus. So learning more did nothing for me. Amen. And even if you are like a Pharisee, you know, some of them, they were, they walked with such perfection. They kept all the laws, you know, they had all these rules that they kept, but they still didn't know God. They knew all of the Bible. They knew the scriptures and they did all these quote, holy things, you know, but they, they didn't have that life. They did not have that relationship. Amen. So whenever we come to know Jesus, whenever we see our need for a savior and how Christ died for us on the cross, and we turn to him humbly in repentance, so we turn to him, our mind has been changed about our sin, and we believe upon Jesus, that he's risen from the dead for our sins, and we call upon him to be the Lord of our life. At this moment, something amazing happens. Romans 8.15 says this. It talks about us receiving the Holy Spirit to indwell us. This is different from the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we'll get into that in a later episode. But anyone who has given their life to Christ Romans 8.15 applies to them. It says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So when a person is born again, they can really begin to know God because God, the Holy Spirit, now lives in them. It's amazing. It's, it's really amazing. John 16.13 through 15 says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, and this is Jesus speaking, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So here we have a very clear promise from Jesus in John 16 that whenever we're saved and the Holy Spirit lives within us, He is going to be actively pursuing to teach us truth. He's going to lift up Jesus and He's going to guide us into truth. So the Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary to know God. He has to be our ultimate teacher, our ultimate teacher. And I think there's a a lot of comfort in that too. Just what a kind and gracious God we have that he wants us to know. And he doesn't just tell us. He sends the Holy Spirit to help us. He sends the comforter and he wants us to know him. And he's going to help us in that as we approach the word, as we go and approach him by faith. He's going to teach us. He's going to give us that theology. Amen. And you made a really good point right there. You said, with the Word. And this is really important. So the Spirit of God is going to teach us primarily from the Word of God. This is what 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And earlier in this, uh, in this book and in this chapter, it was talk, Paul was talking to Timothy about how he was saved because he heard the word. And now he's saying, and now the word never really ceases to be useful. It's always useful to us. It gives us salvation. The Holy Spirit uses it and quickens it to our hearts to bring us to salvation. But then he, we never leave it. We always stay in the word and he's going to teach us through it. And it's always current, you know, um, even... 
this morning, you know, I just happen to be reading through Exodus right now. And, you know, that's the story of Israel uh, exiting Egypt, coming out of that slavery. And, you know, that was a long time ago and that's their story. But the Lord, the word is alive and it's current. And the Lord used part of that story to minister to me today in my current circumstances. And I just think that's beautiful. That is beautiful because if I'm just going to the Word of God to get facts, if I'm only seeking just knowledge in the sense of head knowledge, what does Exodus do for me? I mean, I could find out that there were, I can estimate there were X number of uh, million people who left, but what does that even matter? It says in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That is more than just head knowledge. That means I have a direction I'm going in my life and I am seeking help. I need to see what's in front of me. And I'm being told here through the word of God that the word is going to help me. It's going to give me light. It's going to give me light to my feet, a light to my path. I'm going to be guided by God when I come with a humble heart to the word. Amen. And uh, in John 17, 17, it says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So here we are. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But then he even says, my word is truth. So we can hold on to that. And the man that we see live this out is the Apostle Paul. He starts talking in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 15. And here, listen to his heart. Let's just really listen to the Lord speak through Paul in this letter. And this is what he says. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Loss. Everything. This man, he was rising through the ranks of Judaism during his time. He had power and authority. Whenever he was going to Damascus and he met Jesus, he had letters in his hand to take people captive and bring them back to the, the Jewish authorities and Israel. But he counted all of that loss. What would you count it loss for, Paul? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He had knowledge. He had it. But when he met Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to live within him. And then all that knowledge was pointing to Christ. You see, like we said, the definition earlier, theology, knowing God by the Bible and the Spirit. He was now knowing Jesus. He was now living in a relationship with Jesus. It was exciting now, so much so that he was willing to leave everything, everything, so that he could know Christ Jesus. And he said, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. They're trash. They are nothing. Why? In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Listen to this that I may know him, that I may know him. Even after years of walking with him, missionary journeys, everything, he wanted to continue on. Why do you read the word, Paul? Why do you fast? Why do you pray? Why are you seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit? That I may know him, that I may know Jesus, the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on. Make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I believe that's also why Paul's theology, his was on fire because 
he was willing to surrender his life to know God more. He was willing to be inconvenienced to know God more. He wasn't all just head knowledge and religious acts. He gave his life. He he really did like so much to know the Lord. And uh, he was on fire. Amen. You know, what's really kind of exciting is towards the end of his life in Second Timothy, he writes to Timothy and he says, bring me the manuscripts. Bring me the word of God. He was in person at that time and he said, bring me the word of God. The Holy Spirit was within him, but he wanted the word of God to comfort his own heart, to abide and commune with Jesus, even at the end. And this is what he says. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. We'll never get there, guys. We'll never finish. The depths cannot be plumbed. They cannot be measured of knowing God. We will never cease to know and learn about God on this side of eternity. And, and who knows what the next side of eternity holds for us and how we'll know God. But on this side, no matter how much knowledge we have, no matter how many definitions we can memorize, let those of us who are mature think this way is what Paul said. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. What does that mean? What, the last part? Mm -hmm. If anything you think otherwise. Well, Paul was talking to these people here, and at the beginning of the letter, he did say, if there's any fellowship in Jesus, if there's any humility in your heart, do this, walk in unity with one another. Walk in. You see, we can, this is a really good point as well. You know, with theology, there can be so many debates. Oh, I'm a Calvinist. Oh, I'm an Arminian. Oh, I'm kind of this strange horse in between, or I don't believe in the rapture. I I'm an all-millennial. There could be so many fights, and yet you know, there's truth, and we're going to talk about these things and, and what we believe the, the Scriptures clearly set forth. But it's so immature to take things and to fight and to tear one another apart. The key here is Christ Jesus. I have a coworker, and she's a Calvinist, and I'm not. But we have fellowship. We've taught the same Bible study at work together. She's blessed my heart by, by encouraging me. She's gone through great suffering lately, and but she is such an encouragement to my life. There's not this wall between us because we have the same Lord, the same master, and not that we are the most mature people in the world. I know I most certainly am not, but there can be fellowship even with differences of thought and opinion. So Although doctrine can divide and, and it's like guardrails on the road for our lives, if I'm mature, I'm going to look to what glorifies Jesus. So just going back to, the, to what theology is, we've said it's, it's basically our understanding of God. It's knowing God. And if, our th if, you don't, if we don't know God well, if our knowing him, our knowledge of him is non-existent or it's weak, our standing is shaky. Our ability to defend our faith is weak. And our aptitude to be led astray would be very strong. There are all kinds of things coming into churches today. And the Bible talks about it. He, the Bible warns about it. In the last days, there's going to be all these new teachings, people being led astray, you know. And so we need to know our theology. We need to know 
our God. And, you know, that for someone like me, at least, it can cause almost a twinge of fear or a, a panic, like, oh, my goodness, I, I need to know God. And then you look at the Bible and it all gets very overwhelming. All of these all of these different books and so many different doctrines, so much teaching. There's so much to know. Like Andrew said, we'll never exhaust it. So the thought of even starting is exhausting. But that's why the Lord, he's so kind. It's only faith that pleases him. He's just pleased with our faith. And if we just approach the Bible, come to the word of God, and just want to know God. Don't panic. Don't worry. Oh, I need to know everything. Otherwise, I'm going to be led astray. No. If you are a follower of God, he sent the comforter. He sent his spirit. He's going to show you. Even if you're brand new, he's going to protect you. He's going to help you. But we do have a responsibility to, to seek to know him more. And he said, those who seek me will find me. You know, just, just seek God, just search for God and he will reveal himself to you. You don't need to panic. You just need to start. Just open your Bible in faith. Say, God, reveal yourself to me today. God, I'm reading Exodus. Reveal yourself to me today. Amen. And, and I just want to provide one encouragement. It's this, you know, ask God to give you this hunger. You know, just ask him to give you this hunger. There are times where we don't feel motivated even True. to get into the word of God. It's early, life is hard, things like this. But we can ask him, we can be honest. He's called our heavenly father. And perhaps you have not had the greatest father, but this father is willing and able to help you where you are weak. He is strong. He's not afraid of your weakness. So just be open to him. And I also want to say this last thing here. You are not meant to walk this walk alone. We are not a church. We are providing some teaching here through a podcast. But what I want to encourage you is, is where you are, is there a body of believers that God would lead you to? Be with a body of believers and walk with them. And then as a body of believers, you're going to grow in your knowledge of Jesus, even, even just being around them, other Christians. And that is one of the greatest blessings of my life is being able to not just have a quiet time, not just study time, but go with body of believers and learn what they have been taught by the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. And that's what good fellowship is. It's just, just talking to one another, talking about the Word of God. And it does. It's exciting. We feed off of each other. We nourish each other. We reveal things in each other we didn't know were there. We reveal things in the Word we didn't know were there. And that's, that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to do that. He wants us to fellowship and be in a church like that. Thank you for joining us at Theology on Fire. Please subscribe so you won't miss new episodes. All of our information and contact details can be found at theologyonfire.org.